Hey guys, it's Spadoodle. Uh, you can always go to davidspade.com to look at my tour dates because I bless a lot of cities in America with my hilarious stand-up act. Or you could not go to it and get on my enemy list. Up to you. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. Mm-hmm. And what makes a home is more than just house or property. It's the location and the neighborhood. Yes, exactly. This is really, really a smart uh, thing. If you have kids, it's also schools, regards to homes, nearby parks, transportation mm-hmm. options. That's why homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. Yeah, and when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, Mm -hmm. student-to-teacher ratio. This is stuff you need. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's right. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know all in one place, homes.com. We've done your homework. So guys, we got David Byrne, uh, a kind of a legendary uh, dude in the music world, obviously with the talking heads and then solo stuff. It's, it's interesting when Dan and I get to talk to a guy like this because he does have that uh, wispy uh, SNL connection because it's he was on and with the Talking Heads in 1979, and then he went on solo in '89 and 2020. You have to be doing well to have that big of a gap in between. That means you're still churning it out, and it's still working. It's people are still buying it, and that's hard to do. Longevity, but you hear his name all the time, and you still hear it about you know Broadway um, and the things he does. He's such a smart dude. This was an interesting one because Dana and I were in a little over our heads, which is fine. <laughs> but uh, I have on my iPod or whatever old thing I have, I have Burning Down the House. I have Wild Wild Life, which is a real toe tapper. And it's fun to talk to a guy like this. He's just uh, very bright. The dude is a genius. He wears those, he wore that big coat in that, I think, uh, same as it ever was video. And I wore a big coat in Father of the Year, which is a huge hit on Netflix. I'm not even saying that sarcastically. It was a hit. Look, check it out. Why does no one believe me? It was. Anyway, so we have that in common. Someone told me the other day we have being a Leo in common. And then they pitched me a show at breakfast. And I'm like, he goes, listen, I'm a good guy. Listen, we're both Leo. So I'm like, that's your wispy connection to me? First of all, I'm not a Leo. So the, our wispy, wispy connection is over. You're back to a total stranger. All right, anyway. Here's David Byrne, and we hope uh, you like. You like it, a juice? When David Byrne comes on the Zoom. Dana, that's the guy. Here's this. I'm on the Zoom. Wait a minute. I'm I'm nearsighted. Hey, David. Oh, my okay. God. <laughs> yeah. I'm on the Zoom. How are you doing? Oh, we're doing incredible now that, now that you're here. Nice to meet virtually. Yes. 
This is uh, is this your first Zoom today? Or no, it's my second one today. <laughs> really? Good. Already? Did you did you have one with Lauren Michaels earlier? <laughs> You'll <laughs> no. find David and Dana. Um, well, we'll, oh we'll try to make this interesting. Here's my first question, David. This yes. is just to kind of be a little pithy. Has ever, anyone ever used your last name against you in an argument? You burned me, Burn. No, I don't think so. But uh, yeah, uh, there's okay. been some... <laughs> <laughs> probably plenty of articles uh that where they did make puns like, you know, make oh. puns like that you know burning down the house but with like with my name oh right things right, like right. that yeah yeah i was called dana car keys in grade school and it drove me nuts <laughs> why car keys car v car keys it didn't oh, e okay. it didn't even make sense but it brutalized me i'm still wounded it's basic bullying david uh my name is david spade uh, nice to meet you i uh I, I uh, first of all, I'm a little nervous because David has such a uh, vast career and it's almost too much. And we, it's almost I, like an I, it intervention. It is almost this too is, much. I, I got exhausted. He's doing too much. You, it's too much. You, it, well, or not enough, but you've done so much. It's really kind of amazing. I, I just, I want to ask you things you haven't been asked for, but what I observed when I was watching you in some of these videos is uh, the way you move. So I think of you as a dancer first. Okay, and then yeah. singer, songwriter, filmmaker, and pretty much everything artistic. So did, was that conscious? Because it's kind of Polynesian to me. It's sort of slow, <laughs> but it's very graceful. Interesting. And it's graceful and it's inside the loop. You never are frenetic. It's very interesting to watch. Anyway, am I the first person to ask you that? Or maybe the 20th? I have been asked, you're like, where does your dancing come from? I, <laughs> I, uh, I made a conscious. Looks like you're falling. Uh -huh. I may, I You're may, constantly tripping. That's what it looks like. There it like. is. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> pretty on early on, I, I, I thought to myself, I don't want to dance like a uh, move, like other kind of Mick, rock and Mick roll. Jagger so, or James Brown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I thought, Oh yeah. I mean, that's where, that's where the bar was set kind of. Yeah. Those people <laughs> and, and many others. And I just thought, well, there's no way I'm going to do that. Uh, and besides they've kind of cornered that. But they do mm -hmm. that yeah. and they do it really well. So I have to find something that works for me. So I, I for a long time, I didn't do anything. Uh, and then gradually, little by little, I started kind of figuring out uh, moves and things that kind of felt like they were coming from me and that they emerged from the music. And uh, they didn't feel like they seemed like anything else that I'd seen out there. Uh, they seemed a little bit odd sometimes. But well, uh, they were it's charismatic because there's no overt effort and it just seems to work. I was watching the uh, Jimmy Fallon thing from your show. That's what humans do. And your little choreography with everyone and how you'd go up and do the, the chorus and you come back and you're barefoot. I don't know. It's just it's very charismatic because it's ultimately asking us to go at you. You're not coming at us with a lot of energy. It's all just so relaxed and you could do it till you're 90. All right, pretty much. I'm hoping, <laughs> and then uh, yeah, I I tend to go for things that uh, don't look like I've had a lot of dance training, which I haven't had. Mm -hmm. uh, so they're the kind of thing that I'm. I hope that other people see it and go, "Oh, I could do that. Uh, I could be a dancer. If this guy can do it, I can do it." Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to write that down. No, moving <laughs> to the music. It's very charismatic. Yeah. So anyway, uh, David, do you have a question? Not you, David Byrne, but you. I you, know you can that, ask us uh, questions, I, though, of course. I, yes, I was a little nervous because he is uh, 
He's very smart, and uh, I'm very smart, and Dana might feel weird on this podcast. I feel because like a third wheel. I've got two giant kind of brains now. in front of me. But I've seen interviews with you, and you seem like very light on your feet, and that was my first kind of thing because I grew up, my brother is smarter than me, and he's, uh, he's very artistic. Uh, he eventually got into design. He started that Kate Spade handbag company with his wife. And uh, he was so, you were his favorite band. And so I'd hear it. And I, I didn't quite grasp the coolness of it. Uh, I just always thought it was kind of surfacey, very, I like the songs. And then the older you get and you start to get in the words and what you're doing, there's so much going on there that it's, it's it makes it even more layers and layers and layers. And so that was fun. And then I when I heard, when I saw that you were kind of, fun and light in your feet that was nice to see because sometimes you don't know what personality is behind all that when you're so smart like that and it's it's great that it made it less nervous to talk to you, you oh well, good I mean? yeah i'm glad it comes across that way yeah i wouldn't want it to be like oh he thinks he's so smart and uh yeah, yeah all that because kind of thing. i'm really smart and i'm a little prickly to <laughs> you're deal incredibly with. but anyway oh okay <laughs> i keep throwing that in there but no one even agrees i i think um, you come off anti uh, pretense there's no sense of like look what i'm doing you know or at all it, it just feels and i think for an artist first time i'm going to use the word playful yeah you know and and childlike in some ways and and loose uh so i don't know it's very interesting to watch thank you yeah yeah i i really enjoy it and i hope the your know, audiences can sense that i'm enjoying myself and having fun and sometimes having a laugh with it well, mm -hmm. you you know Dana, you know that he's he's got an Academy Award, a Grammy, a Tony, and a Golden Globe, so he's got an egog. But, but a lot no of people Emmy? are going for he, the egot. He no, he always going. Wait, no, no. So yeah, go. Oh yeah, there's no e. Yeah, there's you've no e. A, so not quite. You've got a gogot. <laughs> no, you don't have the e. You can, you need a. You really need a vowel. You need something to keep this going. Um, but uh, Golden Globe is. Good. So what's Emmy? Is Emmy on the future? Is this burning? Uh, uh, is this killing you that you don't have an Emmy? <laughs> it's killing me that I don't yeah, have one. That's all I think about now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in TV and I don't have one. And you you might graze by it and win one. And I'm over here struggling every day in the salt mines. Well, <laughs> no, I, 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 yeah, honestly, no, I don't think about it. I don't think about it, but it's, yeah, yeah, I don't. You got enough stuff. I have a starting live question because this is sort of the idea how we tricked you into this, but uh, we don't have to talk about only Saturday Night Live. Um, when you go on, I always wonder with the music guests, and I never asked when I was there, do they tell you what songs to pick or do you say, I want to do these and what order? Because you get two songs. Uh, I remember early on, early on, I, I seem to recall being very pushy about it and saying, you know, Oh, they were. I was very pushy. I, feel, I oh, remember myself wanted, being right. very pushy and going, I want to do this, I want to do this, and I... Uh, I think at one point, I don't know if it was on Saturday Night Live or Letterman or some, some show where I said, I want you to shoot it in black and white. Oh, <laughs> bold. Yeah, I was really, I was really pushy, you know, say, I want, you know, I want something that looks a little bit different, et cetera, sure. et cetera. And uh, it, they, uh, yeah. So it was, a, but. It, I, you does know, it go I'm, back and forth at the record company where they say we'd like this one sort of out there to help this album or whatever back then? Yeah, I kind of learned, you know, you learn after a while, you go, you got to give them the, the single or the song that's being promoted. And then for the second one, you can put in, you know, you can be a little more artistic and show them kind of the breadth of kind of the range of what you're you're doing. 
Again, yeah, of course. Uh, that's what I kind of remember is that the first one I usually knew. I remember when Pearl Jam was on and I, that was sort of my era when I was there. And uh, when, But I was never one to get music right away, like I told you with my brother. So I liked Pearl Jam by the time they came back. <laughs> and I liked Nirvana by the time they came back. And so I go, are you going to do uh, a live? And they go, we did it last time. I go, you did? Oh. And so by that time I had loved it. So then I started to pay attention, but I'm always about a year back, like Europe. Um, so, well, I, I was introduced you, by Lorne Michaels cause I was staying at his house in 1986 before I was on SNL, but I was cast on SNL and I stayed for uh, a month and the talking heads played. I, I'm, I don't want to exaggerate. I'd say 12 hours a day throughout the house. Wow. You may find yourself, you may find yourself. And I fell in love with it. I was aware of you guys and I knew that it was new, you know, it was a, a new, uh, like your singing phrasing was like popped out to me, like Sinatra or something. Yeah. You know, it's what, what did, when did you first get that? Was that always there when you started your first band that, you know, I don't know how you describe your vocalization, but it's very you. There's no one else does it quite like that. It was a little more yelpy at first. Uh, oh, I, I did want to say and, that. I, yeah. yeah, it was a little more yelpy <laughs> at first. And then gradually, I, I kind of listening to other singers and records and things, I thought, oh, you know, I can I can actually sing a melody if I have to. And I can do that. And that might be a way to get some things over. That, uh, <laughs> I thought the same thing, but it didn't work out. <laughs> yes. I might be able to do that. Uh, I remember the last time we were on Saturday Night Live, which is Probably 2020 just, with, with John yeah, Mulaney, right? Be, yeah. Just, wow. Just before the pandemic, mm -hmm. like weeks before, um, after we did the rehearsal, uh, I got invited or should I say called into the meeting with Lauren <laughs> that, that the entire cast goes into. And I thought, yeah. oh, well, this didn't happen before. <laughs> yeah. what, what, what's, what's going to happen? And uh, he gave me some notes, he, you know, Single notes, sing me out and gave me some notes. What do you remember them? <laughs> wow, I, th I, we. I think he probably thought, a camera said something about my, yeah, it was something. No, it was not about the moves, it was something about my vocal delivery. He felt it was a little too aggressive or something or other. There was some comment about uh, adjusting my vocal delivery, okay. And uh, I wasn't sure exactly what he meant, but I thought, okay, okay, I'll, I'll just keep that in mind, whatever, mm -hmm. the, whatever he means, I'll keep it in mind. Yeah. God, I can safely say I've never heard of that. I've never heard of Lorne giving notes of music, except, you know, Sinead O'Connor uh, telling her not to rip up the picture of the Pope, but it was a little late. She... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he goes, you know, that that's the stuff for rehearsal. And not then on he the handed her show. some scotch tape. And said, it goes back together <laughs> just as easily it was ripped. <laughs> Maybe no one will notice. But probably a lot of people Lorne notice. would give notes in, you know, one word. You know, basically, like we're about to start a sketch and he would just say, oh, it has to breathe just like that. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, uh -huh. probably with you would be like if you could bring it down a notch and let it come to you or something like that. Usually there's some wisdom in it, but I, you know, I, I, yeah, I yeah. wouldn't give you notes. I wouldn't have the guts to say, yeah, David, you know, when it comes to singing, I <laughs> but Lauren, it, I like that. I like that you say black and white because you're like sort of a pre-Kanye where you're, you know, these artistic minds come on there and it feels like it's a certain stamp. I know the look of where the music is. I know the coloring of the lighting every week. I know what it's going to look like. And it does take someone to walk in and say, 
what if we shoot it a little differently? Or what if we shot it over there? Or what if we shot it outside? Or what if we made it black and white? I like that because no one does that. They just come in, they do it and leave like you're supposed to. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love that you're throwing things out though. It was, I didn't want it to have like the standard rock and roll lighting with the colored lights flashing and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and I thought, how can I, e- how can I easily avoid that? And so that was probably the idea there. But by the time we went in in like 2020 or whenever, uh, there was much more, there was much more of, uh, kind of a collaboration with the director mm-hmm. and the lighting people and all. Everybody was super accommodating. Like, okay, we, we've seen what you're doing. So we'll, we'll try and do that. Right. When I was there, it was only, Dana, do you agree? It was only for blocking. Like they would come <laughs> in on probably Thursday before we would rehearse. We didn't even get to rehearse until Thursday night. The sketches. That's how late in the game, if people don't know that. So music comes in and they get like an hour or two. But they do their songs. It's really cameras gonna get here. They they just want to see the song just for cameras, but it was always the same lighting, pretty much. I think later in the years they started to play with it a little bit, but I don't think there was a lot of thought. I do like when they 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 play with it. And guys like you are great because, you know, that's what you want. You want different, you want it memorable. Is it kind of interesting you, David, like uh, David Byrne? <laughs> just I never think you're talking to me. Don't just worry. Just that ahead. when you have a long career and then it becomes long and then you come back and you look great. You're at the top of your game. And do people like in my little teeny world, I'll go to a little comedy club and I feel like I'm a museum piece. Like he's still here. <laughs> I still recognize him and, he, and he's doing the church lady. Yeah. So there's there is this. Do people must respond to you in a different way I, or just in a warm way or there's something in, it's like Lauren, there's something about seeing you again and you, and you look great. You move great. The songs are great. Your voice is still there. Perfect. So voice just, is strong. Uh, you can comment on that or not. I'm talking too much. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's always, there's always a portion of the audience. They're kind of the, uh, kind of the, the kind of the original fans mm-hmm. that are, kind of my age or just a little bit younger maybe mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh who have a kind of legacy sense of all that their journey but, yeah 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 that's part of their journey too and that's kind of nice they uh i think they expect to see something different uh from me which is a nice kind of opportunity for me and of course the younger audience that comes uh, often has no idea what to expect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think they expect that they just picture one of their songs and they're going to do it exactly. That's the way I picture concerts. And when you come out, at least you come with that baggage of, which is baggage sounds negative, but they know that you are out of the box. And so anything's really possible when you're out there. So not to expect really anything. Yeah. Yeah. As long as you, you don't, uh, you don't antagonize them or give them things, do things that are just like, yeah. oh, I'm going to piss off the audience right. by uh, indulging myself in, uh, you know, a half hour of just talking to you or <laughs> drum solo. Or, yeah, yeah, the drum solo, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have a question you, about, oh, go ahead, Dana. Oh, I, I would just like, you've managed to just always surprise. And so, you know, I just want one lane of show business is money and how to do that. And you keep reinventing yourself all around a certain general theme, but it is always new. And so how did you, did you ever get a 
offer to sell out. Yeah. Like in the 80s, a commercial and just for millions of dollars or something like that. Or how have you managed to stay an artist again all the way through, stay totally cool and manage the business side of it all? Sell out? You mean like do uh, a lemonade commercial or? Oh, uh, yeah. Lemonade commercials and things like that. Yeah, there have been a few offers for. Uh, I've done commercials, I'll be honest. And things like that. And um, I'm of a generation where you kind of, musicians kind of avoided that if they could. Yes. Um, Mm -hmm. And I realize that now it's actually encouraged. It's like, if that's what you do to get your music to a larger audience, then you should do it. Yeah. Oh my God. It's like, first of all, just in full disclosure, I've never said no to anything. Now, also, um, <laughs> a lot of these musicians, it used to be, but Eddie Vedder, you know, you remember that, you know, I won't even do Ticketmaster, I won't do this. All these things that made sense at the time, which was actually hard to run a concert, I'm sure, back then. When you're saying, I can't sell out if I do this corporate, this corporate, but corporations own the arena. They own, It's just hard to avoid, I'm sure. So, uh, I and mean, you can comment on that if you want, but it is. Yeah, I'm, I'm wow. Uh I was really impressed at Eddie Vedder and that they kind of decided we want to do this tour without Ticketmaster and whatever, yeah. because our fans are tired of paying, paying all these extra costs that get added on and all the scalping stuff that goes on with the comp in these ticket sales things are complicit in this with the scalpers. And, mm-hmm. you know, they were trying, they were trying to kind of do the right thing, but it is, yeah, it's a really hard thing for them to do. And, Mm-hmm. I admired them for giving it a try. Yes, I did too. I thought, wow, that's, I didn't. And then you look and you go, oh, Ticketmaster is is kind of racking everyone. You know, if you get break it down and then when you hear they're sort of in bed with the scalpers and stuff of, or whatever, I don't know for sure, but you know how it is. And you go, so they buy some, they sell them right back and they give them the first third of the ticket. It's just so weird because you go, yeah, every time I turn around one minute later, they're marked up to 800 bucks. You go, normal fans don't have a chance and and the artist wants the normal fans to be able to pay the real ticket price that's bad enough really Mm -hmm. and then just get in there and have a good time and they feel like they're part of it being the bad guy when they're not but that's what it looks like yeah and now there's the whole thing of uh, i guess what they call dynamic pricing where (laughs) that doesn't sound that doesn't sound good no (laughs) no yeah yeah it's uh They've done it on Broadway for a long time, but now mm-hmm. they're kind of moving it into concerts where, you know, with a big artist, like there was a big brouhaha about Bruce Springsteen tickets. Because if there's a high demand for kind of the prime seats mm-hmm. for a show like that, mm-hmm. they'll jack the prices up for those. Now, they might still mm-hmm. keep some cheap seats in the back, mm-hmm. but the ones up front will just go, they're kind of trying to beat the scalpers in a way. But right. that means that uh, right. twelve hundred. <laughs> yeah, the prices start going up into the scalper range, where it's you know over a thousand dollars. Wow! And yeah, the fans are just going. That's not what was originally listed. <laughs> I know that's not really the plan. Like I don't really get that because they're going to make the scalper money up front instead of the scalpers. They're making saying it? that yes, at least if we do that, the money goes to the artist. But it's still pretty tough. It's still oh. pretty tough on the fans. Buying someone jewelry is usually a great experience all around. To get a beautiful gift, mm-hmm. you get the unforgettable moment of seeing the look on their face when they open it. The tricky part, Dana, as you know, yeah, figure, figuring out how to get the perfect piece. 
at the best price. I hate to say it. Price yeah. matters. I mean, yeah. Yeah. that's why I recommend for any jewelry purchase, you source it from BlueNile.com. They've been with us for a while. Yeah. Blue Nile offers thousands of independently graded diamonds, David. And find jewelry at prices significantly below traditional retail. They also offer peace of mind with every purchase. Some of their highest quality standards. They have some of the highest quality standards in the industry. Right. And David, whether you want to make a classic statement by gifting a white gold tennis bracelet mm-hmm. <laughs> to Sarah Sherman or, <laughs> or, or bring Zendaya. Out- or bring out her eyes with sapphire and diamond hoop earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts can help you find the perfect gift. David? They're available 24-7 by phone or chat to answer technical questions like, should I make it a diamond cut or a circle? <laughs> Those are the technical questions. <laughs> I know. Uh, oval. They fit your budget. They'll make sure what you want, they can fit in your budget. Yes, it's very difficult to buy jewelry for someone because, um, you know, it's it's a subjective thing. And the, you'll be guided with the, this company is going to help you make the right choice. You right. give them a little information and they'll go, Sapphire. It's hard to roll down to your local strip mall and go, yeah, we're a jewelry store and we sell trucker hats. It's like, that's yeah. not what you want. Or sometimes they have a small jewelry kiosk inside a Denny's restaurant and it's like... <laughs> They're flipping hotcakes, and I'm trying to find my loved ones. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you. You can feel great about your purchase because Blue Nile also offers a diamond price match guarantee. Oh, that's nice. So you can't lose. No, Mm -hmm. just in case. You got 30-day returns. Mm -hmm. Shop Blue Nile today and experience the ease and convenience of the original online jeweler. Go to BlueNile.com today. That's BlueNile.com. Do you, uh, something that's a little, maybe a little more unusual in my world. Do you both go into clubs, like you said, go into comedy clubs in different places and can try out new material that way and kind of make a surprise appearance somewhere and go, okay, I got, I got to try some stuff out. And the only way I know what works is to do it live. David does it a lot. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. I have to, I have to, because I'm I'm kind of on a tour right now, and uh, when your people are paying and it's a bigger theater, uh, you have to try. But I've always done that because it's always the only way to even keep going. So, luckily in LA, there's the Improv and the Comedy Store and the Laugh Factory, so you can go in. You can go in any time. I mean, they're nice enough to say just come in whenever you drive by. You can go up and do whatever you want, and so you try it. And there's a lot of great comedians there. Uh, the only thing these days is. Some comics are having them put the phones in those zip bags because mm-hmm. you can't work on a new special if people are leaking it on YouTube the next morning or put it on their TikTok or whatever. And then all your jokes are out there. So it's not like building up for a special. Someone like Eddie Murphy, I would see having a real problem coming back to stand up because where do you practice where people aren't going to film you and leak everything? And if it's not that funny because you're really working it, they're going to see that and say, oh, he's not that good anymore. And you're like, well, this is how I used to do it in little clubs. And then the world sees it. But yeah. like a band, I don't know. I don't know. There's, there's, that's the only way to do it. Well, for me, and I want to ask you a question, uh, music, David. Uh, <laughs> the I started in small clubs and I didn't know I was I wasn't really a stand up. I was a sketch player. So the small clubs allowed me to go. I'm going to be a character for two minutes. And then as I got 
on TV and stuff, I played bigger rooms and I found it much more of a heavy lifting for me unless there were screens. So I love the small clubs. And with comedy, it's always a surprise. So ideally, you vetted it in a small room. So when you go to the big room, you don't go, da 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 and it didn't get a yeah. laugh. But did you, when you're in the 70s in those low ceiling clubs and your first band was just kicking in, there's a certain, some energy to that. But you've played all kinds. Of, you, have a, you have a show that you do occasionally where only 16 audience members can come in at a time. That we'll get to that in a second. Your your fascination with the brain and neuroplasticity and all that. But in terms of rooms, what what's your favorite size room? Or it's the room you're in, I guess. <laughs> Broadway's pretty uh, intimate in its own Broadway's way. Broadway's you know fairly intimate. Uh, I like the, that size room. You can still it's big, but you can still get a sense of all the people. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. I still feel like, as you probably do. You, you're, I still feel like I'm speaking right to them and they're listening to me. And mm -hmm. if there's a reaction, I can respond to their reaction. And sometimes mm -hmm. I can, you know, as you might do, if you get a laugh, you try and say something else that's going to put a laugh on top of the laugh. And yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah that kind of thing. But you can't, you, you can't like make that up at home. You can't like write that. You have no. to yeah. see how the audience reacts. That's the best place to be is in, in the moment, kind of like with us right now. Yeah. Uh, and life is really about that, listening and being in the moment, certainly performing, never trying to force it, don't anticipate it. All I think before I go out on stage, I, the last word I say to myself is have fun, because if I forget to have fun, it can unravel pretty quickly. If, if people are drunk or it's a shitty audience or I blew a joke, but always have fun, that's, that helps me a lot. What do you say right before your show, David? David what Byrne. Do I, what, what do I say? Right right before, before ladies my... and gentlemen, American <laughs> Utopia, David Byrne. Do you do you have any ritual or prayer or just like take a deep breath and or you just walk out and? Uh, usually, the band and I are, are kind of backstage, mm -hmm. and we're all on like our mics and everything like that, so mm -hmm. we can all talk to one another. But yeah, but uh, nobody else can hear us. And so there's a lot of joking around like, OK, who's out there tonight? Right. Um, <laughs> Just people line. take a peek and go, oh, there's yeah, there's there's a really strange looking person in the front row or there's a kid. There's a kid in the front row who's sleeping. Uh, <laughs> yeah. To lighten it up. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah. That's, you know, uh, I do the same thing. I, I peek out in the front and try to go. Is there anyone I want to mention or say anything? Because when you're live, you can sort of I do one crowd work. I go out to the audience and I go, I go, what are you guys having? Uh, nachos? And they go, yep. And I go, oh, is it an anniversary or something? And then I just, I go, that's my crowd work, folks. I get one <laughs> laugh <laughs> so and then I move on. <laughs> the worst crowd work ever. You know? <laughs> yeah, because I go, I did. It looks like they, they really like it in stand-up and pro probably in music. When you're doing something that they think is not the hand stamp show. So if you're in a crowd, you've been, obviously in music, you just mentioned the city, they mm -hmm. get excited. You know what I mean? Even though you're reading it off the back of a mic stand. But if you just say, you know, I saw the Eagles and they were like, on a dark Arizona highway. And everyone goes, whoa. Anything. That's low. where we live. <laughs> Anything. Go, cool. 
yeah. cool Scottsdale wind in my hair. And everyone's like, my friend lives in Scottsdale. And they go, warm smell of ASU Stadium. And everyone's like, all right, just sing the fucking song, dude. Why? Well, I, I always uh, tell them, what, what's the rival <laughs> the rival town? So if you're playing Fresno and I go, well, oh, yeah, that's they, a good they one. They go, we hate Modesto. Then I go out and I just say, Modesto sucks. And I've got them. It's the easiest thing in the world. <laughs> or you go, yeah, that joke was funny. This guy from Modesto doesn't get yeah, it. And, and then it's like, a running, running gag. David, you can use any of these, any of them. Uh, okay, okay. Just take them with you. It's so funny. Oh, I have a question about your uh, one of my favorite songs, uh, uh -oh. Wildlife. Uh, the video, isn't the video, does it have a ton of cameos in it? Uh, uh, yeah, it's people, it's meant to be like a, a karaoke night or something like that where, yeah, where people yeah, are jumping yeah. up and singing a line. It's kind of taken off on that. And people, the audience members are kind of dressing up like their favorite singers or whatever yeah 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 that's a great one and uh that one was buscemi in it or am i crazy no it was not the buscemi it was a local guy in dallas that looked like buscemi oh for yeah. real <laughs> yeah oh my god i was about to say who is in that thing because that was such a fun video and uh such a great song i still crank it on my ipod is ipod something ipod i think okay. that's what i have on my phone <laughs> yeah, uh, it's on my phone, but whatever. Uh, believe me, and I'm these—I'm one of these guys that I get those Apple songs, and they're 99 cents or whatever. And so instead of joining something, I just go, "Well, I already have this. I don't want to learn anything new." And I realize I have 20,000 songs, so I've spent 20,000. <laughs> It's—it's the dumbest thing I could ever do. But I just keep doing it one oh, by yeah. one, and they're just adding up. I'm like, I think this isn't smart, but uh, love that. Uh, Take Me to the River has a great beginning. I'm just, I'm, I'm going through your songs now, which is, I know you get bored by that, but it's uh, it's great <laughs> because I'm asking. So it's something different. Uh, Take Me to the River, Dana. You know, that one is such a killer beginning. Brilliant. And uh, the only thing you need in the middle when you go drop me in the water, you could have me up there and I'll go. Ooh, that's <laughs> his best sound effect. We could, we so could, if yeah, I'm ever there, I'll that, jump yeah. up. I could have added that. It's Everyone mm -hmm. can't do it. And the... Uh, as as we've said before, the MTV generation growing up with me, the V was for the videos and it was for the music. And uh, it wasn't uh, 24 Hours of Ridiculousness, which is a show, which is actually really good. But they used to have more than one show on there and music videos. No one believes me. But uh, that was a really fun time when you probably got a new song. It's probably kind of fun where they go, the next step literally is, what's your video? Is that kind of how yeah, it was? yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed making videos back then. Uh, you could, you had a song, you thought, okay, this might be the single and you could go out and do a video kind of cheaper, cheaply, mm -hmm. kind of more cheaply than you can do sure. today, actually. And you know, they'd run it. They were desperate for material. Oh, and yeah. then you were getting all their material for free from the record company. So, uh, if you could give them a video, they'd start running it within a week which was just kind of amazing for us. It's great. Um, well, yeah, you have a blank slate and you're kind of an artist. You are an artist. So <laughs> that must be fun. You've got the song which you already wrote. You made that. That was one breakthrough. And now a song is working. And then you go, oh, now I get one more crack at it. What is it? The scary thing is what's everyone going to remember forever? Because you sort of, at my age, I would just picture the video when I hear the song. Exactly. So you had to be a little bit careful because you know that's what's going to be burned into people's minds. Uh, <laughs> yes, but, for sure. 
Yeah, we discovered that there were songs that in those days, songs that broke because of the video. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. The, the ra- the, better. Yeah. The radio maybe wasn't really playing it that much. And then the video would people would just they'd play it over and over again. And then the radio would kind of be forced to play it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Because oh, it, it took on a new life. Mm hmm. And it, it did seem, obviously, going back a little bit, your art school roots, like John Lennon, uh, seemed like it yeah. was a natural fit for you. It's, everything had an artistic bent. And for a second, just American Utopia, the album and the show, it would appear to me that would be as satisfying as anything you've done, uh, uh, this, this recent Broadway run, because the way you reinvented Broadway, I mean, you can speak to that. I mean, you reinvented it with that stage show by everyone being oh, mo- yeah. mobile. Uh, that's that's pretty brilliant. I mean, go ahead. you talk to that? To me, that, yeah, starting way back with music videos, but being able to kind of do a stage show like that, it was kind of bringing together everything that got me excited, whether it was, you know, the staging or the choreography or the lighting and all those things where I could kind of bring it all together in one package. And the trick with, the trick with Broadway, I think, was uh, getting the sound to be like not Broadway sound, Mm-hmm. Um, the sound the sound mix on Broadway musicals tends to be a, of a certain type. And mm-hmm. we thought, no, we want this to sound like <laughs> we want this to sound like a real concert. Uh, we need people to understand the words and all that, which is you can't always do at a music concert. Mm-hmm. But we need sure. to do that. But yeah, that was that was a little bit of an uphill battle, but it worked. Uh, ha- it- Really inspiring for the, the the percussion section. So you knew you wanted the drummers to move. So you needed, rather than the drummer behind the kit, so you had multiple drummers, almost like a marching band, moving about in choreography. Yeah. It's just, uh, how, how were you, did you do every show, David? Were you starring on every show? Was six, I had six, to. I, I had I'd to. assume that who could substitute for you. But I'm yeah. not going if he's it, not How did you pace yeah. yourself with that? I mean, it, it's something. Yeah, is that a beating? I mean, I do 60 minutes of stand-up and I lay down in a hammock afterwards and people fan me. I was packed in ice <laughs> out earlier today. <laughs> I was packed in ice. I get packed in ice. In my tub at the holiday. On end. a regular basis. But uh, <laughs> uh, but obviously you were having so much fun. That, ke- that keeps fatigue at bay. Are you enjoying it? Uh, yeah, I was enjoying it. I paced myself. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I ran into Hugh Jackman at a dinner once. So I, so before I did the show I, on Broadway, yeah, I, I reached out to him and said, um, I'm not used to doing, you know, shows, whatever, six mm-hmm. or seven days a week or whatever mm-hmm. it might be. Do you think I can do this? And do you have any advice for me? Cause he's the only oh, person yeah. I could think of who had done like a one man show singing the whole show yeah. on Broadway. He's an athlete. Yeah. Yeah. And so I uh, asked him, do you think I can do this? And he said, yeah, you can do, you know, how's your voice? Yeah. My voice is fine. They said, you know, uh, he said, don't go to parties after <laughs> don't go, don't visit your, don't hang out with your friends in a bar after, because you will end up talking louder in a bar that you Ooh. are singing on stage and that will wear that's like doing a whole nother show smart so he said don't do that meet them for lunch the next day um mm-hmm. then he said if you've got two shows uh don't take a nap in between the two shows because that's your first inclination is phew got through that now i need to like rest up before the next one and he said no 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 because then you're whatever you're 
energy and stuff will just drop down to zero and you got to build it all back up again for the next show. He said, you just got to, you know, push wow. through it and and, mm -hmm. and then you'll be ready for the next one. Could I possibly after the uh, this get the Hugh Jackman's yeah, I need information because he seems to really be good about advising. <laughs> I want my life coach. <laughs> to be. Uh, just whatever. HughJackman.com. But um, yeah. he also yeah, sounds boring. After the show, lay down in a hyperbolic chamber until the next show. I'm like, well, how can I go out and get my kudos? <laughs> I need some I high fives. I, I would have told you, uh -huh. pack yourself in ice before the first show, <laughs> get repacked in between shows and pack. So repack. My, how did you um, how did you come down then to go to sleep or uh, do you have a scotch yeah. on the rocks? Do you meditate? Yeah, yeah. I'd have a couple of glasses. I'd go home, mm -hmm. have a couple of glasses of wine and watch like some tv show i call it brain candy right just something yeah, that brain will... candy nothing nothing too heavy yeah nothing too emotional that would kind of make right. make me dream weird dreams stuff stuff like okay. that. just the saw movie franchise i usually watch that to <laughs> doze off yes if you want to put on uh movies called clean slate or opportunity knocks so, <laughs> yeah i was i guarantee you david you are out within five minutes you're like what the fuck give me a little shard that may you may want to have a third glass of wine. Be careful about that. When you see an abomination, you know, it starts to tip. <laughs> Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. There's two things I'm really interested in. One is your fascination with the brain. Um, and I was gonna I was curious what your thoughts are with the the studies about psilocybin or ketamine in terms of helping with addiction and helping the brain. Because you've done a lot of stuff around the brain. You have that yeah. that show where you come out with the brain, you talk about the brain. Um, oh yeah. And so uh, where are you at with that now? What's where your you thoughts? At with the brain? <laughs> what are you doing with I the brain? <laughs> I haven't tried any of those therapies. I watched the uh, Michael Pollan uh, show about mm. psilocybin and stuff and, like that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you haven't done them? I haven't done them, mm -hmm. but I kind of watched the show. It was it was all about that. Yeah. Know, treating those things as therapy and all that stuff, LSD and everything were used 
pretty successfully, it seems, for therapy mm-hmm. until it was, Ill, uh, you know, made illegal. Yeah. And then then it was just like silence. No more research. You right. couldn't touch it. Yeah. Uh, everything, uh, any kind of beneficial stuff that it did was all denied and shoved right. aside. Yeah. And it was all this gov- government propaganda about how you would have uh, babies that would look like fish or whatever. Yeah. And- uh, <laughs> but now that's kind of people are kind of getting back into it and kind of treating it seriously as a therapeutic thing. And it's, I, I've sort of thought, okay, probably have to monitor it really carefully, see how people respond. But for some things, yeah, like uh, post-traumatic stress, mm-hmm. things like that, it seems like it does help people. I, I was told this, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I want to hear your response to this. It's just that, uh, Non-psychoactive psilocybin drops uh, over time, daily, create bigger neural pathways. And the metaphor t- was told to me is that if you're, you're, if you're stuck on a cycle of thinking that's neg- negative or whatever, it's, a, it's like a little river going down, a, or a little stream going down a giant canyon. When you do these psilocybin drops over a period of time, your thoughts start to emancipate and you're, you're seeing a gush of water, a big giant whoosh of water going down and it frees open that negative pattern so anyway thoughts either of you guys I, yeah <laughs> i could definitely see that that could be the case that yeah we we do get stuck in in our ways of thinking if somebody's had a traumatic experience they just kind of play that movie over mm-hmm. and over again mm-hmm. and they need to kind of find a way out of it and people are non-trusting the uh pharmaceutical companies more and more so they're trying uh you know Eastern medicine, there's different things that everyone wants to try just to say, what if there's something from the earth? What if there's something that I just haven't tried that they don't they don't seem to want me to try, but it might be great for me. And I know a lot of people doing special K now and microdosing, and I really didn't know it was for real treatment <laughs> other than just recreational, but they are Special saying, K is ketamine, right? Ketamine, yeah. <laughs> okay, special and, K. <laughs> uh, but you hear it's a horse tranquilizer, so you go, well, I mean- I can't even do Zequil. I can't even do a full teaspoon. So I go, I don't think I need that because I a horse is bigger than me. Uh, uh, the well, last ke- horse I saw. Ketamine is supposed to like, you go on a pretty heavy trip and I guess if it works for your brain, what I'm told is that it, um, you're able to get outside yourself and you're able to laugh yeah. at yourself and you have these revelations that last, even though you have a bit of nausea for a couple of days. And right. for three months, you're just freed from that locked negative thinking. So what do you, David, David Byrne, if you have the blues, you're feeling kind of down, do you go on a bike ride? Cause you're a big bike guy. You're always on. Yeah, I'll bike. do that. Yeah. I'll do that. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't get the blues. I don't get depressed that often. I mean, we all do sometimes, mm-hmm. but, but in general, I'm pretty upbeat. And if, if I'm going through a difficult period, I'll just kind of go, Okay. Just keep going. Self talk. Yeah, yeah. That that thing you did is look. Yeah, that thing you did failed, or it looks like it's not going to happen, or yeah. Could you possibly work that into a song like "I Don't Ever Get the Blues"? You know, it's a blues song about a guy. Who, <laughs> I don't ever get the blues. You might find yourself not getting the blues. <laughs> you ain't find so, yourself. Sorry. sorry, I had to do that. Same um, as it ever was. Uh, oh, no, I, I don't think nobody. Want, I don't think people want to hear that. They don't want to hear like, oh, oh yeah, no. I'm a super happy guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, blues does better. My, my, my life is great. And it's kind of like, well, fuck you. My latest self-talk, David, both Davids, <laughs> is uh, 
I just say big life, big life, big life. If if you try a career, if you have children, if you have marriages, if you travel, if you buy things, if you make money, you can lose money. So big life, up and down. So you just accept it when problems mm -hmm. come. This is big life, big problems, and you know that's your own self talk, right? To yourself, yes. and that that helps. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Could yeah. I? I'm interested in this because you seem so uh, future all the time. <laughs> Ask about that art stuff. Well, the, the 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 robots have arrived. They're here. They're studying us. They're they're manipulating us. They're making everybody angry, and they're doing all kinds of things. And now they're in art. They're writing the hook. They're all over music. You don't have to write the music. Mm -hmm. You don't have to sing the music. You point to guys with AIs on computers, and then you they put it together in a lab. And now in art, in visual art. Recently, an AI drew a painting. They put in all this information, and it won first prize at this art show, and the real artists were really angry. So it just seems to me that since you're always future, future, are you going to incorporate with AI, or what are your thoughts about that Fight uh, it. integrating with art? Uh, uh. Sorry. Sorry. It was a, <laughs> oh, yeah. It's his favorite thing's meeting together. Uh, okay. Uh, no, I to be honest, no, I haven't thought about doing that. Um and I, yeah, I remember reading about that, seeing the picture, and thought, huh, picture's kind of nice. Picture's kind of nice. I but, saw uh, it. Yeah, it's not not exactly what I would do, you know. But okay, that's yeah, nothing wrong with that. Um, I blame the guy buying it because because I blame the person who would buy that art or pay a lot of money for it because you don't want to make a market for that. Right. It is there is something about what art is about coming from yeah. someone. Is that the picture, Dana? Well, it's just one I did recently. Could a <laughs> robot make that? No, that's good. Yes, yeah, I, I sort of doubt it. It's yeah. called- it's No, called, but a four-year-old could. Someone was really <laughs> bugging me. That's the person on top in the bubble, and I was on the bottom, and they were- out, I love it. Yeah, Dana's so, got good art. That's real, I like No, it. it's just heartfelt. It's a cliche. I'm not the artist, but I do do it for my own processing of thoughts. So. But I doubt that a machine would do that. Yeah, right. that's the greatest thing anyone's ever said. To me. Do you mind if I, <laughs> David uh -huh. Byrne said a machine could not do my? No, I I understand what you're saying, and I I agree with you. I don't like it. I I still think the human soul or the human brain oh, yeah. can create stuff. And I think well, I was reading your exit essay after American Utopia, and about you find out later, and it doesn't sound pretentious, but you find out later kind of what you were writing about commonly in your writing and, and in your art that you're kind of doing it spontaneously from some place and it may be not literal and then a, a year later or whatever you kind of figure out what it was and i was interested at the very end you said american utopia it's not ironic yes so yeah. which is kind of a surprise coming from me because um, some of my material some of my material is ironic yes but in, but in this case i thought no 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 i want to really hold out some kind of either visually or in the songs and in the way we present it, the whole attitude, what I say, I want to hold out some kind of hope that, uh, that all, all the things that we wish we could be and what we could be as a country and all that, that they're not all entirely out of reach, uh, mm -hmm. that we have, we do have possibility. Well, for me, I, I, I just read history and then I feel better you know, right when the <laughs> when the pandemic hit, you know, I read uh, a, a book, uh, The Splendid in the Vile. It was a brilliant book, but it was a new 
one about Churchill and the Blitz in, in London. And, you know, it just helped calm me down or read about the plague or the Middle Ages. And it gives you perspective. I've seen people on an iPhone with a latte going, is this is the worst time to be alive? You know, and they, they <laughs> there was no medicine until like maybe 50 years ago. You have a heart attack. They'd shake your hand and give you a baby mm -hmm. aspirin. See you later. Now yeah. they can put all this stuff in you. So you're kind of on this this wavelength because you have this uh, reason to be cheerful online thing. You're on this sort of happy, cheerful, if, you know, if American Utopia means it's possible, that's very up message. Yes, and re yes. Reasons and to the be, reason to be cheerful. What are the reasons that, to be cheerful, David Byrne? Well, uh, <laughs> wow. We, we report on a lot of stuff. Uh, I haven't done a lot of writing for them recently but we have a group of writers they look for pe places around the world where people have found solutions to like yeah if some place in italy where the the sea was getting overfished and they kind of the, the fisher fish communities the fishermen communities they get together and then go okay we're going to manage this because we know if we overfish this we're all mm. screwed we don't mm -hmm. that's our livelihood so we have to kind of manage it and they kind of figure out a way to do that a way to kind of look out for people who were kind of uh breaking the rules or whatever and sure enough the fish come back and their their catch increases and so they end up making more money than they did before um it, you know happy ending good news so, is not reported yeah go ahead yeah, yeah it's yeah, nice to hear that stuff yeah, we're biased towards bad news. We like to hear bad news, uh, scary stuff. It feeds part so of our brain, right? Somehow. Yeah, it's part of our brain. We like to be aware of what uh, what kind of lions and tigers are looming around the corner as opposed to the nice stuff. So it's a little bit of an uphill battle, but it, but you know, the, this stuff is happening. I'm surprised at how, how much of it the writers are finding. Um you're right. I mean, it's probably an old stand-up bit, but there's never a news flash. Breaking news: two hundred million people are relatively happy in North America. You know? <laughs> yes. It's always going to be death and pain. And I call, I get, I get an on. I'll go down the rabbit hole a little bit in the morning, and I go to myself. I said, I'm being hypnotized into darkness. Yeah. Because whatever is bad, with the robot stirring it, is going to be presented ten times as bad, and. Um, it, it it is it's it's a trap to to be unhappy your whole life because I know tribal people we, we don't really talk politics here but they're in both camps and they're both just so angry and I'm like <laughs> what good is this doing right now all this fury but you're right what 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 part of the brain is that feeding is some primal part of our hypothalamus <laughs> it seems Ooh. like it is it's some, it's some sort of primal part that obviously evolved for for something really useful mm -hmm. to us war to to yeah to be aware that what's that what's that moving in the jungle what's that moving fight on the or flight yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah mm -hmm. uh i'd rather if i run away it might not be anything but if i run away i'm going to be all right but if i stay and wait to find out i might be dead so better yes. to run away better yeah. to better be to be fearful and suspicious than to just kind of sit it out and go, well, let's wait and see what it is. And it's a bioevolutionary, it's a Darwinian proposition because the people didn't run away, didn't live long enough to have kids. So we're predisposed, <laughs> all of us, to be a little kind of jumpy because the ones who weren't yeah, yeah. are dead. So exactly. <laughs> yeah, and the algorithms uh, on, on all the stuff kind of feed on that, can feed on our propensity. Yeah, COVID was a real boon for them because it was like the first case got to America and they're like projecting 10 million dead. I go... 
Well, someone just sneezed. That's it. One guy tested positive. We don't even know what's going on. They're like, no, no, right now you better, you know, make funeral arrangements. I'm like, so it's it's like that where they, it's like a half truth or there's a piece of a truth where they can run with it and they run hard with it and they don't run the other way. It's always could be worse, might get worse, probably worse. Instead of like, hey, this we might pull out of this. And that's a tough one to live with every day. And that was, that was hard, especially during COVID because nothing else is really happening in your life except bad news on the TV 24 hours a day. It's tough. Yeah, you could just dig really deep into that. Yeah. There's not much else to do. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. When you're uh, out, you're on tour. Yes, um, David. Are the, are the audiences back? Um, you know, they... they they are, and they're yeah. they're excited, and uh, it seems like they want to laugh, and they don't really want it um, super PC. Uh, they seem to appreciate that if you're a comedian, the ones that come out to the clubs that mm -hmm. aren't on Twitter 24 hours a day complaining about it, there are some people that just say, just go do it. We'll decide if we like it or not, but give it to us. And if we don't like it, we'll boo, and that's part of the fun, or we'll not laugh. But as a comedian is sort of an art also. And uh, you, you want to say whatever you want. And that's usually how it was working for a long, long time. And then people are being scared to get canceled and they don't want to say the wrong thing. So we don't want the world to turn into the, the eight, everyone's telling the same eight jokes that are approved by America, you know? Exactly. And that's what yeah. happens. You go, okay, I walked out and everyone was happy. and every, you know, People go, it wasn't funny, but I didn't get mad, thank God. And you go, well, you got to sort of crack some eggs here. Yeah, you got to, I don't get mad. I never try to get complaint comedians when they're not funny or they do something too far. I'm like, I would say they probably won't do that again or they might tweak it, but it's not my place to tell them to complain about it and say, get off stage. It's stupid to me. Yeah, and I've been to shows where uh, somebody's... <laughs> done some stuff where i go oh i think yeah. they crossed a line just across the line sure. right there but uh the rest of the show was really great right. and i remember i've been to some shows where i had to put my phone in the bag yeah. um i 
I have no problem with it. Uh, but do you go to comedy <laughs> shows, David, or, or music? Every once, every oh, once in a while. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I want to see you in the sitting in the back one day. That'd be awesome. <laughs> That'd <laughs> I'd be nervous. I'd bring up this podcast. <laughs> no, I'm there to laugh and have a good time. Yeah, I, I think to your original idea, David Byrne, was that, yes, it, it, we've run into a little roadblock now with Ukraine and the economy, but there was a period, <laughs> a short period pre post-COVID where the Roaring Twenties had it after the Spanish flu of the let's dance and get drunk and just because this could go away. So I think there was a gusher of ticket sales initially to and then it artists. Well, now, now we're in, now we, we're not having yeah. a roaring. We're having all this other stuff again right now. And COVID, yeah. who knew, as Dr. Fauci would say, who knew no, there was no, so it's... many mutations? Yeah, I didn't I know. know. I thought you'd be dancing in the street. But for me personally, being someone who does impressions as part of what I do, political comedy is the the hottest oven of all uh, of balancing that balancing mm. act because you've got, you know, there, it's tribal and stuff. But, you know, I try to do Biden and I do Trump, but it's yeah. a delicate dance. I m mostly want to have my true North Star to be funny. But have you found that in any of your work now? You're doing art exhibits at the Pace Gallery trees and things which are awesome uh -huh. <laughs> on gigantic walls um, that are uh -huh. beautiful um so where are you on the political spectrum can you uh were you, who are you voting no, i'm don't go there no but do you, do you do you bring it into your are are you careful about anything when you're out there you stay away from things wow uh when i was doing american utopia there was yeah i, I would do some talking mm -hmm. stuff mm -hmm. sometimes about issues and things in between some of the songs and a lot of those were kind of political, although I made uh, a point never to endorse a politician or a particular party. Right. I tried to keep it bipartisan and to just talk about issues. That's smart. Like talk about getting people to vote. And can we talk about that? Can I, I the challenge was, can you figure out a way to talk about that? And it's funny. Yeah, yeah. that's true. If it's funny, then it doesn't come off uh, as a teacher, you know? Yeah, or yeah. condescending, yeah. 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 Yes. Can I get some information across, but in a way that's funny? Um, yeah. And sometimes that took a little bit of trial and error. See, let's see where the yeah, where the laughs are and where, how people react to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you're kind of a comedian in a way when you're out there. You you do you have a monologue section. There's room for that, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I'm. I wouldn't say I'm a comedian, but I'm. I'm learning. Um, some of the challenges that you all face. You know, people like a little levity and when, when they're out and having fun and they already like you, I mean, that's half the battle of being comic. So they like you, they're there to see you. And in between songs, I think we asked McCartney, was that like a nerve? It's a nervous thing to, he tries stuff. He goes, oh, I'm going to say something here. And sometimes it turns into just part of the show because if something works, he locks it in, <laughs> you know? <laughs> exactly. And uh, that's great because the shows are so big. It's like hard to mess around with it, but yeah, there is a little room that must be fun. Or, or one night go, uh, I'm going to say this at this part. And it's something to think about. Yeah, or something's happening in the news and you feel like yeah. you want to acknowledge, not pretend like it didn't happen, mm -hmm. but uh, not turn the, the whole show into being about that. Yeah, it yeah. Is a, it's a delicate dance. Mm -hmm. So what's, um, David, you have, I, I have something and we're, we'll let him go. In a second, I, I only I, have like 500 questions, but that's for you. Know. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, I, I just, I just researched you and you kept doing so much stuff. You can't, go, you can't stop. My computer goes, all right, give me a break. The dingbat drawings, the tree drawings, the, the, the stuff during the <laughs> pandemic. Um, 
it's just it it goes on and on artistically you're just you're go, you're ping-ponging in all these different areas it seems i'm very lucky and i'm having a good time i'm i'm lucky that uh that that in a way i people accept that i can try these different things yeah they don't always work but the, the people kind of allow me to try that stuff well you look 30 years old i mean it's like you have drive and if you still have drive that's really the whole trick you still like it and i'm scared one day when I was, when I'm writing jokes and scribbling stuff and going, and if it gets hard, I go, well, what if one day I don't want to do this? You know, I don't have that in me anymore. And that's what you don't want. You know, you always want to still, it's fun to still do that stuff. I just don't want that fun to go away. So I think it's nice that you well, still think of a germ of an idea and go, there's really no limits. It doesn't have to be this. Yeah. Cause you, you, you could be out there now with just bald face talking, the talking heads review show. And just playing all your hits. You could, and, and people would pay a lot of money for of that. Of course, right yeah. up front. Yeah, yeah, I've gotten offers for that. But at the same time, I know that you're not going to be happy. You're not going to be happy there. <laughs> it's a Faustian deal. Is that deal. part of the equation too now? Uh, Being happy? <laughs> oh, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, you're right though. But a lot of people don't think that way. They think uh, they get scared and they move it out of fear. I get it. I mean, of course it would make sense if you went out with those that again. Um, but- there also is, you've got other things you want to do and it makes it seems more fun I, to do that. I think you started, you you were yourself from the beginning and you never yeah. fell into that trap. And uh, I think it's done you well. It's probably why you look so young and fresh. And, yeah. uh, you know, what do you get? I mean, how big a couch can you buy? You need 20 bicycles? I mean, there's a level to money where it's, we all, <laughs> exactly. I love my healthcare and I would wish it on everyone in the world. That's my most prized possession, but I don't <laughs> live in a giant place. I have one car, one wife. Um, so he lives uh, in a dump, David. I, I just, <laughs> everything you own owns you back. And I just, it's true. It's true. I realized yeah, at some point, okay, I got enough bicycles. Uh, yeah, I don't, my apartment's big enough. I'm fine. Yeah. yeah. Well, that makes you rich in reverse, you know? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But then also gives me the opportunity to try things yeah. that might fail. Yes. You don't have to, you don't have to make 400,000 net every month. I just put out a specific number <laughs> in order to make wow, ends that's a, to cover everybody. That's yeah. pretty big. That's, uh, yeah. That, I'd be, that'd be crazy if someone had that much. No, I'm not there. No, but it, you know, <laughs> you, your expenses can creep Oof. up and then you can become a slave to them. But I, I do think I, I, I'm so admiring and a little bit envious that you keep reinventing yourself and you never stay stagnant uh, with me, a lot of the characters I did on SNL audience would like to see them and I push them out there to a point and it is a little, you know, and also in comedy, you have to feed the beast. You can't come back to the same city the next year. You have to have a new hour. Um, but I, I do think your path has been really fun to watch. I've been, I've been watching you a lot the last day and a half. Yeah. And my research. <laughs> Thank you. Thank and you're like, this guy's having fun. He's yeah. can't be cooler. I know that's not your quest, but uh, so uh, <laughs> it's good to be cool, though. Well, it just means you're following your true North Star. I don't know if you yeah. had a lot of therapy early on. I finally got into therapy at 60, a little bit too late. But uh, it seems like you you had a sense of yourself and a confidence early on. I, I tried therapy for a while when I was having some yeah relationship, marriage mm -hmm. stuff, mm -hmm. but. Uh, yeah, other than that, I think my therapy is, yeah. Let's roll some music. video from that therapy going session. For a bike, going for a bicycle ride or yeah, whatever. I think we've, uh, thank you, David, for, for uh, bearing with us. 
I know this isn't a typical sort of interview thing, but uh, you're a, a lot of fun. It's to talk been to. it's been really a pleasure, David. And uh, thank you. And you yeah, you, you, you keep to, it up. And to, uh, if you happen to want to bring your Broadway show back, <laughs> I would <laughs> I would make my way to see it. I, I don't know if you, you're not the type to repeat, but uh, that that uh, the reviews on that. Well, I, I'll just say they were off the charts. I mean, so yeah. so I don't know wow. if you have plans to bring it back, but. If you don't do it for me as my only message. <laughs> don't mount. I did this for Dana. Dana do wanted do it to for see me. It. it is on H- <laughs> HBO live streaming right now, right? Isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. right. So yeah. that's that's available for everybody. Let's do housekeeping at the very end. Uh, Dave, David Byrne. He uh, he's got albums out. He's got he's got art shows. He's at the Pace Gallery, Trees, and yeah, yeah Pace Gallery in New York City. Uh, I'm gonna be there soon. I'm gonna check that out. Um, he, he does neuro society. He, I, I can't, anything you want to add? <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. Fans can consume. All right. Well, good luck on, on your next, uh, podcast, uh, David. Uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> but this was, and I'm pl- going to go buy some more bicycles. Great to meet you both. Be well. Thank you. Because he said, you don't, you don't need more bicycles. This has been a podcast presentation of Cadence 13. Please listen, then rate, review, and follow all episodes. Available now for free wherever you get your podcast. No joke, folks. Fly on the Wall has been a presentation of Cadence 13. Executive produced by Dana Carvey and David Spade, Chris Corcoran of Cadence 13, and Charlie Finan of Brillstein Entertainment. The show's lead producer is Greg Holtzman with production and engineering support from Serena Regan and Chris Basil of Cadence 13. 